Happy New Year, and welcome to the Mavericks and Misfits podcast, where we encourage you to join Jeff Lyle in shaking a happily defiant fist at 2020 and enthusiastically stepping into all that 2021 has in store for you. When it comes to the kingdom of God, the foundation of His truth remains the anchor for our souls, no matter what a calendar year may bring. Today's episode will help to spiritually equip you to be prepared for both the battles and the blessings that come your way. Now, let's join the host of Mavericks and Misfits, Jeff Lyle, for today's episode. Tongues, 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 tongues. Here comes the controversy. We are talking in these days on Mavericks and Misfits about spiritual gifts, and we have spent the last um, couple of episodes talking on one particular gift, and that is the gift of tongues. I think going back 40 years in church history here in America, tongues was the orbit of the controversy. Um, What's amazing is over the last 40 years, tongues has been somewhat normalized with the experience and the affirmation of this gift moving out of mainstream Pentecostalism and finding its place um, in the world of Baptist, Presbyterians, Methodist, born-again Catholics, Lutherans. Um, It's very interesting to me that there seems to be a resurgence of this precious gift, this precious charisma, gift of the Holy Spirit, grace gift. And um, I remember a few years back, um, I have some contacts that the North American Mission Board, that's what it used to be called, and that is the missions arm of the Southern Baptist Convention. And I remember I was so encouraged when I learned that they took out of their official missions policy um, the prohibition against speaking in tongues for their missionaries on the foreign field. So congratulations and kudos to the SBC who recognized, hey, we're probably putting limitations on Christians, our missionary servants across the globe, and let's take out this prohibition that forbids them from speaking in tongues. I think that's a good practice because, as we'll see uh, either in this episode or the next one, the Bible actually has the command that says, do not forbid speaking in tongues. And so for all of my cessationist friends out there, I don't know what you do with that verse. You just have to explain it away. You have to pretend that that's not in the Bible or you have to reinvent what it means. But I think it's pretty simple. Uh, the Bible commands, uh, you know, all of us don't, don't forbid speaking in tongues. So as Paul is giving guidelines about the misuses and the uses and the correct uses, and then even the abuses of the gift of of tongues, um, the one thing that we we come away with is in spite of the Corinthians not doing a bang-up job with the gift of tongues, in spite of them using it selfishly when the church was gathered, in spite of them not really understanding why God gave the gift, um, in spite of all their misuses of it or even abuses, his counsel was don't stop people from speaking in tongues and then to pursue all the spiritual gifts. And then Paul said, I want you all to speak in tongues. I just find that interesting because today's mindset in certain places is, well, people are messing up the gift of tongues and the gift of prophecy and these fake miracles and these fake, you know, signs and wonders and everything. I think it's just better if we just say this stuff doesn't exist anymore because that makes it easier on me. (laughs) You know, I don't know anybody that would actually verbalize it that way. But that does seem to be kind of a mainstream flow over the last hundred years is because the gifts are messy, it's just better if we just create a system of belief that says the gifts don't exist anymore. 
And of course, I think that plays straight into the hands of the enemy because if generation upon generation of Christians are taught that the spiritual gifts do not exist, and again, these are supernatural endowments given by the Holy Spirit for the purpose that he intends to the individual that he chooses for the ministries that are going to utilize these gifts. And it's literally an expression of the power of God, the manifestation of the Holy Spirit. It's just like the devil to create generation after generation, a belief system that says, yeah, that's not available anymore. So if we take away the supernatural gifting of God, the Holy Spirit power for ministry, then what are we left with? You know what we're left with? Our own natural abilities, our own intellect, our own experience, our own education, our own programs. We're, we have to rely on something other than the supernatural gifting of God if we believe these supernatural gifts don't exist. And it's just, I think, theologically lazy to say, well, the gifts don't exist because we don't see them like we saw them in the book of Acts and we don't really see the proper use of them in modern day Pentecostal charismatic circles. We, 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 we just need to recognize, so they say, that these gifts have passed off the scene and let's just buckle down with our disciplines and we'll make something happen. And friends, I just think that plays straight into the hand of the enemy. And by the way, as cessationism has been the predominant thinking in so much of the church over the last you know, 100 years, um, as it's been aggressively advanced by certain teachers and preachers in the kingdom in America, um, haven't you noticed the decline of the church going on simultaneously? Are more people getting saved or less? Are more people getting baptized or less? Are more people going to the mission field or less? Are more people serving with the wholeheartedness of Jesus Christ or less? The fact of the matter is, is that we have come to the end of our own strength and the Lord's not going to bless that in the future. And the warfare that's going to be coming against the church from the culture and from the enemy himself. Friends, we have to have these gifts because we can't fight flesh with flesh. And so I'm encouraging you to really take these messages to heart. And let's talk a little bit now about the gift of tongues. And I'm going to give again some caution because I just, you know, my, I want us to use the gifts rightly. I don't want us to be sloppy. I don't want us to be presumptuous. I don't want us to assume that God's okay with stuff that, you know, either flagrantly or borderline violates what he says in scripture and how we use the gifts. And so this is going to be very challenging to those of you from a charismatic assembly, charismatic preachers, teachers. I mean, let's charismatic worship leaders. Let's just, let's just recognize when we're talking about tongues, there is the private use and there seems to be almost no guidelines in Bible about how you use tongues privately because you're speaking to God and not speaking to men. And you can pray loudly in tongues. You can pray without interpretation in tongues. You can sing in tongues. Your mind doesn't have to understand it. You can literally, a lot of people won't like the way I say this, but I'm going to say it. You can disengage your intellect. You don't have to understand it. You just let the Holy Spirit move through you, through your mouth, through your vocal cords and you pray in tongues and that builds you up according to the scripture. It builds you up. It builds you up in your most holy faith. That's Jude chapter number, verse number 20 in the book of Jude. And of course, in 1 Corinthians 14, Paul says, the one who prays in tongue utters mysteries in the spirit. And he, Paul says that when he prays in the spirit, he prays without his understanding. And I differentiate between that and the way tongues is supposed to be used in the gathered church. And the best that I can tell, when tongues is intentionally used in the gathered church, there needs to be an interpreter. And to my charismatic brothers and sisters, listen, 
that's just getting violated constantly in our worship services. And, you know, I'm just not cool with that. I'm a Christian leader and I have people that I serve with and worship with my own home church that uh, disagree with me on this and think I'm, you know, kind of quenching the spirit on it. And I'm like, well, I'm not going to give an account for what you believe. I'm not going to give an account for how you led. I'm going to give an account for what I believe and how I lead. So I, I try to keep very close uh, parameters on this thing. And, and um, I feel like it served me well. So Paul says in 1 Corinthians 14, verse 6, he says, Now, brothers, if I come to you speaking in tongues, how will I benefit you? Unless I bring you some revelation or knowledge or prophecy or teaching. And then he gives an illustration in verse seven. If even lifeless instruments like the flute or the harp do not give distinct notes, how will anybody know what's played? And if the trumpet gives an indistinct sound, who will get ready for battle? So with yourselves, if, if with your tongue you utter speech that is not intelligible, how will any know, anyone know what is said? For you'll be speaking in the air. There are doubtless many different languages in the world and none is without meaning. But if I do not know the meaning of the language, I will be a foreigner to the speaker and a speaker foreigner to me. So with yourselves, since you're eager for manifestations of the spirit, strive to excel in building up the church. Therefore, one who speaks in a tongue should pray for the power to interpret. Okay. Now, those are verses that honestly, don't get taught a lot in charismatic circles. And so for those of you that are listening, that are a little skeptical about the gift of tongues and the gifts of the spirit, please understand I'm going to, I'm going to war on this thing. I'm saying, yeah, I get it. There are misuses and abuses with all the gifts, but that doesn't invalidate the gifts. There's misuses and abuses with preaching and teaching, but that doesn't invalidate preaching and teaching. There's misuses and abuses in the gift of leadership in the church, but nobody's saying the gift of leadership has stopped. Uh, there's probably misuses of the gift of mercy. You know, when mercy becomes enabling somebody, you know, encouraging somebody when God's actually disciplining that person. Sometimes people misuse and a gift, uh, abuse the gift of mercy by enabling people to continue in destructive patterns of behavior. And nobody's saying the gift of mercy is gone. So let's go ahead and acknowledge that there are abuses and misuses of all the gifts, including tongues. But that doesn't mean we say no to tongues. You see, the, the, the reality that you and I need to grasp, we've got to get this. Spiritual gifts are given to the church from God. Tongues is God's idea, <laughs> not, not anybody else's. And so spiritual gifts are given to the church from God in order to be used. But if we're not operating in love for other people, all the gifts can, form, uh, can fall into some form of misuse. And if that misuse is not corrected by biblical truth, it will eventually turn into abuse. And so when we see the misuse or the abuse of spiritual gifts, the need of the hour is correction, not rejection. We correct the misuse. We don't reject the proper use of the gifts and because correction will result in the proper use of the gifts, but rejection results in the disuse of the gifts. And so, friends, I want you to remember with me that the gifts were not given to fall into misuse or abuse or disuse. They're given to the church from God for their proper use. And so that's why I'm teaching this. I want us to use the gifts in the proper way. And it really comes into play when the church is gathered. And that's the verses I just read. And so we'll focus on that today. And so Paul is saying here 
hey, if, if we're all gathered in the church together, how am I blessing, edifying, helping you if I'm speaking in tongues apart from interpretation? So let's just think about this. If the, if the purpose of our gathered services are to worship and honor and praise and learn and serve one another. Paul is highlighting the serving aspect. And what he's saying is you're not to serve yourself and uninterpreted tongues serves you. We've already established that. Why? Because you build up yourself when you're praying in the spirit, when you're praying in tongues, you're building up yourself. That's Jude verse 20. It's also Paul's teaching to the Corinthian church in chapter 14. Nothing wrong with building up yourself privately. When you come into a church service, it's not your time to build up yourself. And so what Paul is, is correcting here at the church of Corinth is apparently there was this misuse or abuse of the gift of tongues while people are just standing up and, you know, sitting down or doing whatever. When the church is gathered in a home, these were home churches and they're talking all over each other in tongues. And so it kind of, you know, kind of crumbles into a form of chaos where, yeah, everybody's showing off that they can speak in tongues. Everybody's building themselves up, but nobody's getting edified uh, or nobody's edifying one another. And Paul's going to indicate in chapter 13 is, hey, that's not love. Love's not rude. Love does not seek its own. Isn't that amazing that that famous passage of love in 1 Corinthians 13 is written in the context of spiritual gifts and how to use them? <laughs> when we think of first Corinthians 13, that's kind of like, you know, love is kind, love is patient, love is so on and so on. Um, and that ends up in Hallmark cards in Valentine's day. And that's not what it's talking about. It's not talking about romantic love. It's talking about how to use the spiritual gifts in love. And so let's, let's stick with the context of scripture. And what Paul's saying is, Hey, don't use the gifts apart from love. And you're not loving people when you're talking in tongues over people and you're not interpreting, you're actually loving yourself because you're either a potentially showing off that gift probably not that most of the time because most people aren't impressed with tongues. Um, you shouldn't be, it's just a gift. It's not even the most important gift. It's just a gift. It's a gift given by God. So don't be impressed with anybody that speaks in tongues. Um, but most people are just, it's not that they're trying to impress people. It's just, they're getting their worship on and they're practicing the gift thoughtlessly. And they're not recognizing that the prescription in the new Testament is when tongues are used in the public gathering, um, there should be no more than two doing it and it should be with an interpreter. So chew on that one for a while, my charismatic friends, cause that'll change the way you approach a worship service. That'll change the way you approach, um, you know, your idea of what it means to speak in tongues. So very practically here as a pastor, let me just give you some counsel. So there are times where I am deeply moved in the spirit when we're worshiping uh, in a gathered service. And, um, most of the services are going to be a mixture of believers and non-believers. And so I'm very careful not to express tongues audibly, loudly, or in any way that might be a distraction during a service that is mixed. Um, and we'll cover that in the next segment on tongues, because what Paul says is if you're using tongues and they're uninterpreted, you're not building up anybody. And he actually says, and if there's an unbeliever in the room, they're going to think you're crazy. We'll talk about that in another episode, but you're actually showing love to the unbeliever by regulating and curtailing your use of, of tongues because it doesn't help them at all. It confuses them. And so when I'm in a service or maybe when you're in a service and you just feel deeply stirred in worship or, or in praise, I would just say this, 
pray in tongues quietly. I mean, you can pray in tongues in a whisper. You don't have to roar and bellow. That's where it kind of takes over and it draws attention. And so what I'm saying is I'm not telling you you cannot pray in tongues or worship in tongues or sing in tongues in a service. But I will say this, you need to do it in a way that is not undermining everybody else around you. Um, and that actually considers that their edification in the moment is more important than your edification. And so what I do is I just pray in tongues silently or I sing in tongues silently. And when I say silently, it's just it's just very, very whispered. You know, music's going on. Everything else is loud. And so nobody's hearing me do it. Or I just put my hands very um, lightly over my mouth and um, just do it, pray in tongues and into my hands. So I'm still worshiping. I'm not quenching the spirit. But it's not about me being heard. It's not about me being able to have my rights to pray as loudly as I want in tongues. And for those of you that are worship leaders, those of you that are um, leaders in the church, you might have a platform ministry. I just strongly urge you to really study what the Bible says about how we are to regulate tongues in the gathered service. And that if you need to make some changes about how you approach this, go ahead and be a biblical Christian and make those changes necessary and trust God. You say, well, Jeff, but I like doing it. Well, that's okay. There's a lot of things in the kingdom I like doing that God tells me that at certain times I can't do. And so be wise about that because what Paul says is, I'm not building you up. I'm not benefiting you unless I'm bringing a revelation or knowledge or prophecy or teaching. Paul says, if I'm going to be doing a communicating, a speaking gift, in the public service, tongues doesn't help the people unless it comes with an interpreter, but teaching does a prophetic revelation or some word of knowledge that can help people use that gift. And then of course he uses the illustration of what he calls lifeless instruments. He's talking about musical instruments and he, he talks about a flute. He talks about in, in the ESV, I preach out of the ESV, he uses the word harp, which is basically a guitar. It's a stringed instrument. And then he uses a trumpet. And what he says is this. Here's the summary of his teaching. He says, if these musical instruments don't play the right notes that everybody can discern and understand, how can anybody join in on the song? So in other words, if you've got a musician and they're playing jacked up notes and chords, it ruins the song and nobody has helped. It's actually a very unpleasant experience. Same way with a singer. If a singer is you know, singing in an unknown language, you can watch them sing, but you can't participate in it. And so what Paul is saying here is that um, you can't really step into what God's doing in the moment unless there's some, cl- some clarity about what is being communicated and uninterpreted tongues don't provide the clarity for the worship. Just like bad notes on a musical instrument don't help people to sing. It actually confuses. It actually hinders. And so Paul is saying, Hey, don't be a hindrance. Don't be giving unintelligible, ununderstandable speech in the midst of the gathered congregation. Use words that people can understand. And that's a discipline and it's a sign of maturity And it actually uh, fulfills the call for us to esteem the needs of others more important than the needs for ourselves. And you say, well, Jeff, I just can't help it. Well, that's an illegal statement then. Um, You can't say that you just can't help it and you just got to get your worship on and you just got to be able to have the freedom um, to do what you want to do at any given moment. 
You say, well, Jeff, no, that's really it. The spirit just comes on me. Well, hold on a second. Cause Paul says in first Corinthians 14, 32, that the spirit of the prophet is subject to the prophet. What does that mean? It means that nothing can happen to you in the Holy spirit that you aren't participating in actively. Your spirit, your human spirit is subject. It's not like you're getting possessed and you just can't help yourself. Not when it comes to the Holy Spirit. He likes to partner with you. And so the the lie that says, I just had to get my worship on. I couldn't help it. I, I just you know, I busted out in tongues because the Spirit moved me. Well, the Spirit's never going to move you to do something that violates the Word of God. And so you can regulate your spirit. You do have that discipline. You do have that maturity. We may not want to at certain times. We may just want to give in to the pleasure and the rush of busting out in tongues. But I, I just believe that the scripture is clear that that's not the way to activate and to use that gift. And so I really encourage you, don't say, well, I just couldn't help it. Well, you're, you're actually violating 1 Corinthians 14, 32 that says you can help it. You just didn't want to in the moment. So have, have I offended anybody yet? Are you getting upset with me, my charismatic friends? Listen, I just, I, I don't believe in sloppy worship. I don't believe in sloppy approach to the kingdom of God. I don't believe in the sloppiness. It's just wrong. And so let's do it the right way. Maybe more power comes when we discipline ourselves to do it the right way. Maybe God breaks through in a new way. Maybe people grow more through the biblical use of tongues in, in our gathered setting than they would just everybody busting out in tongues, getting their own private individual siloed worship on. Okay, you can tell I'm a little passionate about that because I just think there's a better way to do it. And so Paul asked this question. He goes, if with your tongue you utter speech that is not intelligible, how will anybody know what is said? By the way, there again, it's clear that some tongues are unintelligible, unintelligible language. It's right there in the Bible. Paul is saying that there is in the realm of tongues, both known languages and unintelligible languages. So please, again, I highlight that just about every episode when we're talking about tongues. The idea that tongues must be a known language is not supported by scripture. It's clearly evidenced in Acts chapter two, when the initial um, baptism of tongues came upon the church, they were speaking in known languages. But when you get into first Corinthians 14, you find out that nope, nobody understands the tongues. Sometimes it's just a language they've never been familiar with. Sometimes it may be a language that nobody's familiar with. Sometimes it could be a heavenly language that is not an earthly language anywhere. So drop that argument that tongues it has to be a known, ang- uh, known language because the Bible doesn't support that. And he, he goes on to say this, since you are eager for manifestations of the spirit, strive to excel in building up the church. And because of that principle, because we want gifts that build up others, remember the gifts are not for show, they're for ministry. They're actually purposeful. They're given to us to build up the body of Christ and to fulfill ministry opportunities. And so what he says here is, since you really want the power of the Holy Spirit, since you want the Holy Spirit to manifest in you and through you, then seek to use gifts that build up others. God is much more willing to release high level of charismata in your life when he knows that you're wanting to use it for the good of others. Now, if you're just wanting to be known as the prophet, you know, man, that's a bad motive. And I could see it be consistent with the heart of the Lord that he's going to limit your prophetic understanding. If you just want to you know, speak in tongues because you want the super cool badge of tongue talker, 
That's not a right reason to want the gift of tongues. Why do you want the gift of tongues in the corporate gathering? So you can speak in tongues with an interpreter and it glorifies God in a supernatural means of delivering a message. And then you want the gift of tongues to build yourself up so that you'll be better equipped to serve others. And so when we gather together, it's much more important that we have sessions of teaching in known language more so than we have unrestrained tongues in an unknown language. That's actually Bible. Paul says this. He, he literally says in 1 Corinthians 14, 18 through 19, listen to this. Paul, who says he speaks in tongues more than anybody at Corinth, he says, nevertheless, in church, I would rather speak five words with my understanding in order to instruct others than 10,000 words in a tongue. Kapow! If I, if I was texting that, I'd put that little fire emoji on that thing. Paul says when the church is gathered, he would rather say five things in a language everybody can understand than 10,000 sounds or syllables in tongues that nobody understands. So what that tells me right there is that when the church is gathered, God's emphasis is that communication would be understandable. And that even in our worship, in our prayer, when the church is gathered, especially when there is the likelihood of unbelievers being present, when the church is gathered, it's better to build up, instruct, and edify. And the only way that you can edify others in the gift of tongues is by having an interpretation of the gift of tongues. So if there is no interpretation, then it is best not to put tongues front and center in a worship service. I think one of the things that we ought to be praying on is, um, or praying about as, as I wrap up today is that where's all the people with the gift of interpretation? I mean, where are they? I actually pray for that gift and I have experienced, um, lots innumerable moments when I'm praying by myself in tongues and God will clearly impress upon me. Here's what you were praying in tongues. And I will then pray it in English. But I, I don't know that I have the gift of interpretation in the sense of I've never used it in a corporate setting. Um, and I just don't see anybody else really doing that. And what would happen if we just said, hey, it'd be equally helpful to the body of Christ if we started interpreting tongues. If we're going to pr- pr- uh, pray or speak in tongues in a service, in the name of Jesus for his glory, friends, let there be an interpretation. And so maybe you, you're the person, you're the man or the woman that has, that God wants to set up for the gift of interpretation of tongues. It's probably the least manifested gift that I see anywhere in our worship services. And that's in every church that I go to. I just don't see it happening. And so maybe pursue the Lord that he would use you to interpret the gift and you need to be wise. Um, and you need to be really humble and consecrated if you're going to be a person who's going to interpret the gift of tongues. And so I just, I think I'm going to leave you with that. Please remember the extremes. Here's the extremes to avoid in the body of Christ when it comes to tongues. And these are actually both addressed in, in first Corinthians 14. The first extreme is shutting down tongues. First Corinthians 14, 39 says, do not forbid speaking in tongues. That's a command. <laughs> it's very clear. So that's an extreme. There are some people that shut down tongues. The other extreme, people that show off tongues. And that's, you know, chapter 14, verses 23 through 28 
And those are the people that just want to flagrantly speak in tongues because they can and they want to. So we need to avoid the two extremes of shutting down tongues. I'm not shutting down tongues. When I'm giving a lesson like this, I'm not shutting down tongues at all. I'm saying, no, just don't misuse tongues. Don't abuse tongues. Use tongues. Use them rightfully because God says they're valuable. Paul says he wants everybody to speak in tongues. Paul, uh, Jesus Christ said in in last chapter of the book of Mark that one of the signs of those that believe is that they will speak in new tongues. You got to wrestle with that. That's just your Bible. That's not some charismatic doctrine. That's Jesus and the apostle Paul. And so we are to pursue tongues, but, but we are not to show off tongues. So we've got to think about how we're using them. So I hope this has been stretching you, man. This is supposed to stretch you. I want us all to grow in the grace and knowledge of Jesus Christ. I want us to live and practice all of the Holy Spirit gifts according to the word of God. And so in order to do that, it'll challenge your traditions. It'll challenge your practices. And it should challenge your theology. So as I'm signing off today, don't forget to go by transformingtruth.org. Go by transformingtruth.org. There are so many resources available on our website. Um, there are videos and I'm teaching and preaching and uh, both in our home studio filming and also getting back now into the routine at the church where I help lead and shepherd at Newbridge Church in Lawrenceville. Um, go to transformingtruth.org or just search um, Transforming Truth on YouTube and there are tons and tons of video resources to help you in your walk with Jesus. Um, also at transformingtruth.org, my book is there, Figuring It Out As I Go. I hope you'll get a copy of that. It'll strengthen you, it'll encourage you, it mixes humor, it mixes intensity. There's some really deep, dark parts of it but ultimately it's about you figuring out your life as you're living it instead of waiting for god to hand you a full detailed syllabus ahead of time and i think it'll encourage you in your walk with god and listen as we're entering a new year i'm just praying for all of us to pursue the lord with a, a heat put some fire in your pursuit of the lord don't get discouraged by what's going on in the culture get encouraged by the truth in the word of god see you next time have you gotten a copy of jeff's book His autobiography, titled Figuring It Out As I Go, shares Jeff's journey from being abandoned at childhood to journeying through the maze of addiction as a teen and young adult, into his supernatural deliverance at the age of 24, and then into the fascinating pilgrimage into the depths of the Holy Spirit. Order your copy today at jefflyle.com or anywhere online where you buy books. You can also hear Jeff narrate the book by ordering an audio copy of Figuring It Out As I Go at audible.com.